I'm on. I'm on too. There you go. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of OTXNT. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Ben? Hey, can't complain, man. This is a good discussion. You're actually going to help me out today with something that I've started dealing with on Sunday in the sermon, um, the question of, uh, is sin equal uh, in gravity and weight to each other? Because that's something that we often hear, right? All sin is equal. What, is that really true biblically? Or, or do we see evidence, both in old and new, um, that, um, that uh, God takes sinnings very seriously, but there are obviously levels, degrees, of sin um, that uh, we can partake in. So that's where we're going today. You'll start us off with our prayer. Let's do it. Let's do <clears throat> Please it. join me in the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So, okay, this is one that you and I have probably dealt with a lot. Um, I, I know I grew up hearing it, um, not from my family, but just, I think, a very common misunderstanding um, of what people do, especially as I'm teaching through Matthew 5, where Jesus begins to say, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. Uh, if you, uh, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. And then he says, but I tell you, and he gives a, a, even a more expanded understanding of the intent of the law. Um, typically though, what happens, I think a huge misunderstanding is people say, you see what Jesus is doing there is he's equating that murder is the same as murder in the heart. Adultery is the same as adultery in the heart. And what that does is I, I think wrongfully, what it does is it makes somebody say, well, crud, if Jesus is saying it's all the same, then why do I worry about whether I feel it in my heart? Why don't I just do it because it's all the same, right? Uh, and we don't typically do that with murder, right? That's one that like we're not willing to go because that's when it falls apart too, because we understand. But when it comes to the sexual stuff, definitely people are like, why not just go the full way, bro? And just because it's all the same, the heart. So I want to throw that out there while I'm uh, filling up my soda. Uh, you just, uh, we're going to suck this. The <laughs> watching guys, they bring their, you know, really cool, depending on what, you know, kind of pastor you are. I've seen people with their, like, their whiskey bottles. But no, I've got Sam's Zero Sugar, the knockoff of Coke Zero that I'm drinking. So you start and then I'll chime in. Yeah, I think that this is a, it's an important question because <laughs> the idea of sin being equal uh, is not entirely untrue. You know, I, I think what happens is we're mixing two realms here. Uh, there is a realm of salvation and how uh, sin is an offense to God and unforgiven sin is, uh, puts us in the camp of the sinner, right? In the dominion of the devil uh, with the destiny of uh, hell. And so in that sense, uh, James, I think, has that, that verse that talks about anyone that breaks, um, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. And so there is a, a certain degree that if I violate any sin, I am guilty of breaking the law. And therefore, I stand in need of grace or need of mercy. Uh, and, and so that is an important piece. The flip side of that is not necessarily true. 
that every sin that I engage in uh, has an equal level of damage to God or to my fellow man. No, uh, there are definitely consequences for sin that are of equal value uh, to the amount of harm caused uh, either to myself, to another. And uh, so there, there's the idea of being a sinner, a big realm of sin, and then specific sins within that. And so there is definitely a cause for concern um, with, with looking at sins being equal. Um, all of them are an offense to God, yes. All of them are paid for in Christ, yes. But they are not all necessarily equally damaging here on this earth, or maybe even uh, with regard to long-term eternal effects. So I guess, yeah, like I say, it is, they're equal in the sense that they equally, they all equally head in the wrong direction away from God's perfect standard. So um, all sin pulls you away from it. But the, 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 the degree in which you are pulled away is much different uh, depending on what the sin is. And, and, and we're, what we're saying here, too, is, you know, and I know that you've studied a lot more of the church history piece, but we're not classifying and we're not saying definitively these are the, these are the, the high ones. These are, but, but there is a piece that we can know based on what the Bible tells us that some are worse to commit than others. Um, and I, I think case in point is the way that you see that uh, punishments are dealt with in the Bible, right? So one of the things that I, I immediately think about, even just looking at that, if you look at just the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, the way that God um, set up punishment for, for what people did um, in the law is evidence that God doesn't just deal with it all in the same way, right? That yes, they're all an offense, but there's levels in which you're going to do that. So, you know, one of the big things that you bring up, right, is, is in, uh, in the Torah, in Exodus, uh, you know, he says this. He says, uh, um, when a man gets into a fight, uh, let's see, he goes down here. If there's an injury, you must give a life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, bruise for bruise, wound for wound. Now, of course, um, people are taking that, and Jesus will deal with that later on, and people are taking that and saying, this is how I'm supposed to deal with these things. But what I think is, is important here in that is what he's revealing is that in the law, the punishment needs to match the offense, right? If an eye is lost, you're not going to just take the two. Uh, you know, if, if a life is lost, then a life must be given for what's been taken away. And so I, even in Old Testament covenant, it's already all put in there. So you might say, well, we're not old covenant people. We're new covenant people. Right. But that first off is a glimpse that that's how God dealt with people, is that some sins are much worse to partake in uh, than others. Uh, and there are some that immediately deserve death, right? Uh, and there are others that you're not going to die for that, but you're going to you're going to pay the price, right? So what about on the New Testament side? Do you see on the New Testament side where that might be affirmed as well, that that's still that concept that, um, yeah, not all sin is equal? Right. And, and there's different passages. I mean, you have uh, Jesus's condemnation of nations uh, that uh, it would have been better for you um, in, in the end times. It would have been better for uh, Sidon and, uh, oh, goodness. Hang on, I've got it right here. Uh, it would be more bearable in Tyre and Sidon than for you, Jerusalem, you know, in that day, because if they had seen the miracles that I had done, 
they would have repented, but you've seen the miracles and refused to repent. And so there is something worse about the rebellion uh, at the time of Christ than that ancient rebellion, because they had less of uh, God's revelation. And, uh, and so we're accountable for that. And so it's worse for those that witnessed that. Well, how can it be worse if all sins are essentially equal, right? Yeah. Um, and then you have the, probably the, the standard text that's worth looking at is uh, the classification of types of sin in 1 John 5, 16. It says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give for him, God will for him give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. That's a difficult passage to try to navigate because we are seeing that there are types of sin that lead to death and types that don't. And as a pastor, I should pray for those, or as a Christian, I should pray for those sinning in a way that doesn't lead to death, but I have no instruction to pray for those that are sinning in a way that leads to death. So what does that mean? Uh, you know, lead to death, the way it's been translated over time is what the Catholic Church refers to as mortal sin. So this puts you in a state of mortal sin versus non-mortal sin, which is viewed as venial sin. We don't have those classifications, but this is where they come from. So what do you so, think of that? <laughs> I mean, so let me ask you this. What, is, what would they classify? Or in your mind, what do you think is the sin leading to death, by the way? So... In, you know, a Catholic Church is not a bad place to go um, to understand historically how it ended up developed. And that, the idea was that it was something that was a gross intentional sin against one of the Ten Commandments, that God's moral law is best encased in the Ten Commandments. And so if you make an intentional act against one of the Ten Commandments, then you are guilty of a mortal sin, a sin leading to death. And for them, it's, it's death of salvation, really, uh, so that you lose your salvation. Oh, okay. And so that, that requires confession, repentance um, to a priest. The penance system has to kick in to bring you back into life. Um, so you don't pray for that person, you know, but God will give life to the person that is in a, a different level of sin. Mm -hmm. uh, again, we would reject that because we don't see our, uh, our understanding of scripture is not falling in and out of salvation. But uh, the, the other view is that sin leading to death here is sin leading to a physical death that, that, the best illustration would be the man um, sleeping with his mother-in-law in Corinthians and God, uh, Paul casts him out of the church that his body might be destroyed, but his soul might be saved. The idea there is that he is engaging in a sin that will um, destroy him. And so we need to let the weight of that sin, the consequence of that sin have its way so that the man might repent. And so that would be a sin unto death. Um, and, you know, so this, this leads you to these other questions about who will not enter the kingdom of heaven when, when we have those lists of liars, yeah. adulterers, fornicators will not enter the kingdom of heaven, that, that these sins are not necessarily just, I stole gum at the store once, but rather, I think you see these are lifestyle sins that are unrepentant. And so do you pray for the unrepentant Christian? Uh, yeah. I, I don't think you do. I, I think mm. you, and by pray here, the, the idea is that you're praying that God would protect them, that God would keep yeah. them safe, that God would with, withhold his, his judgment against them. Yeah. And, and so my view on this is that these sins will lead to death if they are not repented of. And so what we want to do is let, let God do what God does in bringing and breaking that person um, to repentance. So that, that's kind of how I view that. So, I mean, that, that to me kind of fits 
even with what you see, like with Paul, right? Like as Paul's writing his letters, like there's only a handful of times that he says things like in first Timothy one, he says, uh, verse 20, among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, who I've delivered to Satan so they may taught not to blaspheme. Like that we're done. I hand you over because of what you're doing is so serious. Um, you need to be without the protection of, of, the, of Christ. You need to be, I'm going to leave you out there. And my hope and my desire is that you will come back from that. You will learn from it. But there is some place of like, we're done. We've cast you out. And I, so I think all of that continues to just build to the idea that there is a real standard. Um, and that like Paul's not doing that to every person who sins in the church. Right. When, when he goes into Corinth, and the people are messed up, and uh, they're, the way that they're abusing the Lord's Supper. Now, granted, some of them, by the way, says, some of you are dead now. Some of y'all are sick because of the gravity of that sin. Um, but, but their ignorance of what they did was not to the level of, but you're cast out. You know, God's dealing with them individually in that way. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like that's uh, it's it's a good little discussion to have right now uh, on this. I don't know if you know as we're making these right now. If there's anything else we would probably want to say, at least at this case, uh, before we're done with this video. Well, I I did want to kind of also say that you know the one saved always saved position that most Baptists hold to is not uniformly held. You also have the Arminian position, and the Arminian position, free will Baptists, uh, usually Methodists are in this camp. Uh, believes that the idea of sin unto death is a spiritual death, that there are types of sins that left unrepented of will eventually undo faith, and that over time, unrepentant sin will actually uh, possibly destroy your faith. And if that occurs, that you will end up apostatizing. And so this would be someone who is um, maybe in a repetitive sin, Eventually, they say, you know, there's nothing wrong with my sin, so there might be something wrong with God. I don't want to confess uh, to him. Uh, maybe you got, Satan holds you over with your own guilt, and so you don't confess. Uh, eventually, you come to a point where you don't hang out with the people of God because it makes you feel guilty, and they're judgmental, and you move to a place where you just reject the whole thing. And so sin will erode your belief structure, and if you apostatize, that would be the unforgivable sin in Arminian theology, and you would, in fact, your soul would die. Uh, so that, that is the idea that we don't normally subscribe to, but I do think it's worth mentioning because it's not shared that everybody has the same understanding of what uh, unrepentant sin does. So go back again, that reference, by the way, okay, the, to the sin leading to death, that's 1 John 5. So if anyone sees a fellow believer committing a sin that does not lead to death, he should ask and God will give life to him to those who commit the sin that does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death, I'm not saying he should pray about that. So, I mean, the reality is, though, okay, let's say you go with something like that. Um, is there kind of an in-between? Maybe you even think about the idea that, you know, if, if you're going to go down that road and you're going to begin to lead, uh, you know, start doing sins, you become very comfortable with your sin. Um, is that, is that uh, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is obviously when you read John, the believer can commit sins that do not lead to death. Can I, you know, is he making, is he making it say that a, a, do you believe that the text says that he's implying that a believer can 
commit a sin that leads to death? Or in that case, are we saying these are people who claim to be believers uh, who, you know, are committing a sin that leads to death? Yeah, and that's the big question is um, maybe this an unbeliever who is committing a sin unto death. My, my question is, why wouldn't you pray about that? That, that, that to me is the most obvious um, response. And, and just is unbelief not a sin leading to death? In fact, that might be the standard Baptist view of the unforgivable sin, right? That, that rejecting the Holy Spirit is an unforgivable sin. So, you know, I see Paul praying for his lost brethren uh, of Israel, should he not be praying for them because they're committing a sin unto death? You know, so that, that's the kind of thing where I, I do believe that this is a believer committing a habitual sin. The question for us, if, if you're going to hold a once saved, always saved position, I think the way you view this is that th this is a physical death. And so you're committing a, a sin that will result in your physical death or perhaps God's judgment upon you to prevent you from going uh, to full apostasy that yeah. um, if it were possible, they would fall away, that, that God keeps that from being possible by actually terminating his own. You know, that, that is the kind of scary uh, solution here. Um, and I, it is scary. It should scare all of us because as Christians, um, I don't, I don't want to stand under God's judgment, even it's the temporal judgment in this world. Uh, and so sin, uh, not every sin does that. And, and my view is generally it's unrepented sin that puts you in this camp of leading to death. But that is something that is, uh, and I guess the way I get to that is those, those lists, idolaters, adulterers, God will judge, that he's not saying uh, someone who commits adultery, but rather an adulterer. And this is where, you know, the numerality scares me because everyone wants to identify themselves with their sin. Rather than saying, I fell into sin, they're saying is, no, I, I full am, this is my identity, who I am. I'm, I'm sinning in this way. And yeah. if that's, if, if you've made peace with that sin and made it part of your identity, then that is a sin that is unto death in my mind, that uh, if you're a believer and you're doing that, that you're on very, very shaky sand. Man, that really, I mean, that's a whole nother discussion that I want to have now. Um, you know, because I, I, I do think that opens up a whole nother level of something I hadn't thought about, um, which is, you know, I, I think a lot of times we say, Right. Well, God used to deal with things in that way, but he doesn't now. And, and I do think there's a place to come back to say, you know, I don't know if I'm, it's, I'm, you're safe to say that God may not providentially allow for your death uh, to happen as a result of judgment to stop you where you're at uh, because of your sin or to that point that, you know, I, I'm going to provide it now, um, a, some sort of a physical, because of the, the gravity of the sin that you partake in. That's an interesting thing to say, because we do see it. Like I said, you, you see it in Ananias and Sapphira. You see it in the uh, 1 Corinthians 11. Um, you see people being handed over, it says, for the destruction of the flesh you know, over to Satan for that. So, no, that, that's a very interesting, it's a very scary concept to think that I could come to a point where God would have to do something like that to get my attention. Obviously, that would, my attention would be gotten because I'd be dead, right? But I think even the sickness piece, I think that comes back to tie it back to what we talked about before, right? Which is, you know, you know when you and I were talking about the, the, the need for confession in the life of a believer, um, 
and and we're saying you know that the idea that that you know it says when he comes and, and you have the elders pray uh you confess your knee uh you'll confess your sins so that you'll be healed and so is that part of this too is that in this case as well that that something has happened to where god has struck you with an illness um that could be leading to death even uh but if you're getting it right before um you know, the, yeah, it just comes back down to the weirdness of why you wouldn't pray for that. Um, are you waiting for that person to finally come to their realization? I don't know. That's a hard passage for sure. Well, and my view is that this is what Paul enacts in Corinthians. There's a man in unrepentant sin claiming the liberty of Christ that he can uh, commit incest and adultery. And Paul says, no way. That, that is outside of the law of Christ. That, that is not uh, permissible, cast him out of the church, uh, give his body over to Satan that his body might be destroyed, but his soul would be saved. I, I think the church is no longer praying for you. In fact, they have surrendered you to Satan and, and what a terrible place to be surrendered to. And, uh, but his salvation is still expected that, that through the neglect of the church, saying you're outside of the protection of the church, the good wishes of the church, the intercession of the church, that you will either be destroyed so that your soul would not perish perhaps, uh, or that, that God would allow the weight of your consequences to fall on you to draw you back. And I think that that is what we see in 2 Corinthians is that the man did repent and he does return. Yeah. And so it is not just a one or all or nothing, you know, uh, that, that God will kind of let you go down this road, but he'll chastise you if you're his own and he'll try to bring you back. Um, that, that is absolutely fascinating. And this has opened up more than I originally had intended even. But you know, so that's 1 Corinthians 4 and 5, right? When I see you're assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, uh, I'm with you in spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus. Hand that one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Um, so hand him over. Let him, let him be, you know, lead unto death so that. Hopefully he'll be saved, though. He's not going any further with this. Yeah. And, but at that same time, he, he comes back uh, at the end of all of that. So, wow, uh, this, is, this is heavy stuff. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, I, I'll say this too, just to tie back into this whole concept, this conversation about sins, um, even if you look at the qualifications of what an elder should look like right there are certain things that that obviously those sins will discount you from having the office of pastor or elder immediately there are things that you can do that will kick you out um there but the understanding is he's above reproach that doesn't mean he's perfect uh, but there are certain things that like yeah if he is this he can't be there right uh, there's certain things that he's doing that he can't and one of them be the way that he is with his wife right so if he's a pastor who's got an addiction for, for other ladies, too, and, uh, and all sorts of things, then he needs to step out because he has totally uh, misused his, his, his office, where he's been for something else other than uh, what his job has been called to. He's not being the guy that God's called him to be. So even in that, we see the reality playing out that God does say, my, there are certain things that are important. Um, you know, like I'll say this, you see my, there's a little, I got a cut here on my finger. Um, I had a giant knife in my sink. And what I said when I sliced it in the sink, um, 
was something that I apologized to my wife because of my shock that I just sliced my finger open. Um, I apologize for the words. I don't think that those are discounting me from the office of pastor. Um, there are definitely other things. Now, if you want to know what I said, I will never tell you because it might not be <laughs> that bad to you. It might be terrible to you. It hurts. But I don't see that those are things, not just because I want to keep my job, right? But I don't see that uh, a, something that has come out is, is on the same level as trend, and I'm pointing out because it's up on my wall, um, is on the same level with, with what it means. Like if I mess up in these areas, like that's not a discounting sin. That's something that I, I better watch my mouth, right? I watch my reactions to things, but it's not one that I think is going to disqualify me um, because it's not of the same level or gravity of something else. And I think that that's the key, that there's the big picture of, okay, you are a sinner in Adam. We all sin of our own accord. We are in the domain of the devil and we await the destruction that is a, a set aside for him and his angels. Apart from the work of Christ, that's where we stand. And so Christ paid for every sin that was ever committed for those that are in him. And so on that level, no sin that you commit is too great to be brought into the family of Christ. He's paid for it all. But apart from that, yes, there is a varying degree of sins and the consequences on this earth are of a varying nature and rewards in heaven are of a varying nature to how you live. And so there is definitely a layering or leveling of good works and of sin in this life. And so, you know, the, you don't want to play with this uh, just because God will forgive you of all your sins doesn't mean that uh, there's no varying degrees of iniquity that you can participate in. You absolutely can go down some really terrible path. And we all know this. We all know this to be true. So it's usually anyone who's claiming that there's no big deal. It's all the same in God's eyes. Um, they're just trying to get away with something darker than, <laughs> than their conscience would, would normally uh, shoot red alerts off of. And so yeah. they, need to, they need to stop and be very careful. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing you, you bring up is we all know this, though. Everybody knows the reality of what would I rather have? Like you think about you think about the uh, even just the murder one, right? I've said this. I'd much rather have someone hate me than murder me, right? Um, because there's a huge difference, right? You're not going to go to jail forever for hating somebody. Um, Jesus's point is not that, but Jesus's point is that your sin of hatred. Uh, is something that is pulling you away from God. You think you're okay because you haven't done the act, but the heart has already pulled you away. He's not saying you've done the same thing, but he's saying that the intent was that God dealt with the whole, uh, your heart, your actions, all of that together. And so we know that on even just a normal day, right? That there are different offenses and God is the same. God has laid that out for us in the same way too. It doesn't, we don't suspend that because, you know, typically we do want to because we want to get away with something else and i know i mean that's where i was at man at certain times i wanted to suspend certain things because i wanted to feel better about the sin that i was committing uh that it wasn't it was just all the same level as everything else so all right man that's about it oh man i just pinched my finger i hope it's not bleeding oh it's not bleeding it's all good it is not bleeding okay that could have been bad. You could have seen another, another small sin come out. Oh, but that, yeah. Oh, I just, <laughs> I'm going to have some coke. 
Oh. Well, um, you know, see, so your confessed uh, sin, the Lord's already working his work of grace in you to, to protect your speech there. That, that, so bad. I can't stop. I fidget all the time, and I got my finger caught in this thing. Oh, it's so bad. All right. I'm going to say the thing. I mean, they're going to be done. I, I, I'm going to go cry somewhere after I'm done <laughs> reading this. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Guys, thanks for watching. Andrew, thanks for helping me with this one because this is something that um, it's coming up through the message. And I like, I like the fact that you and I can both chime in on this one for sure. Yeah, very interesting. All right. Well, God bless everyone. All right. Take care.